Hi, guys. Welcome back to Book Talk Feed Me, the podcast where we're talking about all your favorite books from Book Talk, Bookstagram, and, you know, wherever you're getting a good book, we're going to talk about it. I'm Caitlin, joined by my host, Hilda, and we are missing Bridget again today. So don't worry. She'll be back after we wrap up. I almost called it Fourth Wing. Iron Ring. Iron Flame. Iron Flame. (laughs) Like two sips of wine are really hitting hard today. But my God, have they been well earned. So Bridget will be back after we wrap up Iron Flame. Um, and we miss her so much, so we cannot wait to have her back. Hilda. Yes. Now, we said, let's try to wrap this up in two. Do we have a surprise for you guys? <laughs> because, say it with us, so much happens in this book. <laughs> and going through in the notes, I'm like, there's no way. There's no way we can get to honor the last 15% of what happens here, and especially the last four five three yeah i'm still i feel like we're gonna have a lengthy conversation about the epilogue yes yeah because i'm i'm not sure i think i know what happened but i'm not entirely sure right but before we get there there's that 45 percent that we still need to <laughs> that we still have to talk about so off the bat we're gonna say spoiler warnings for uh fourth wing and the first half of iron flame so if you don't want to be spoiled spoiled good lord you don't want to be spoiled check us back out after you've read it and you can jump back in and hear all of our our thoughts and feelings on what happened oh so, and just there's a strong possibility that this ends up being a three-part series it, it it's very strong like i'd say like 99 percent probability like we're kind of gonna w- wing it we're gonna see how far it takes us we had originally planned for two it might be three let's see what happens in this convo we're gonna see uh, you know, I'm an e-reader, so it's hard for me to tell you how big this book is, but she's a chunky, thick girl of a book. I think it was over 840 pages, maybe? I think it's 878. Yeah, so there's a lot to wrap up. And despite the it being so big, and we talked about that in the first one, the pacing on this was so, so well. And so at no point do you hit the lull. At no point you're like, oh, where are we going? What's happening here? Why? You don't hit the second book slump. Is what I'm trying to say. You know, we, I know we alluded to that, but we kind of really didn't discuss it. But you know how like book two usually tends to be a not as great. It's like a rebuilding book. We're resetting the plot point. That I didn't feel that with this book. No, not at all. Like it did not feel, again, I still think it was better than Fourth Wing. 100%. I agree with that. And the, the length was justified. Yes. It was justified. Did we get some things that maybe, like, did I need to Could have lived without? Right. Or is it important for later? Is this an Easter egg foreshadowing of what's to come? And I will say where she, where the Twisted Sisters will lean heavily on that, this is, and where SJM does beautifully, masterfully, I don't know that I got the same intentions with that. So SJM will sprinkle those in and you're like, oh, this feels important. Reading this, I was like, hmm, is this important? Is it not important? I don't know. But I'm going to keep reading to find out. Whereas sometimes the Twisted Sisters will be like, here's 40 pages of something we're not sure if you need to know about or not, but you're going to find out either way. But we included it because it was fun and exciting for us. Right. So all that to say, a weird way to explain. It's a happy medium. You're getting your stuff going and your plot keeps moving. So part one is currently up. I'd invite you guys to check that out. That's where we get into the world building, talk about what happened in this initial book and address some very 
uh, interesting plot points and cliffhangers from the first book. So in as a reminder, it's graduation. Zayden has been stationed off at his post. Violet is back at school. And so let's touch down on their relationship a little bit because safe to say it's rocky. We talked about it in the first part one of this. And really, I think I called it 20 questions in my notes. You did. Comments on this because that's really what it is. My issue with Violet in this book is that she is very immature and unself-aware because she's mad at Zayden because Zayden doesn't trust her, according to her, because he won't reveal everything to her. Right. The reason that he will not reveal everything to her is because, one, he knows about Dane being able to read her memories. And so if she goes back to school... Dane can see everything that's happened. They've already been betrayed once. What's stopping him from betraying them again? Right. Or betraying her again? One and two. And then two, he's also trying to protect her because he doesn't want her to know all of this information because it can potentially get her killed. Right. It's like you're on a classified mission and you don't have the clearance, Violet. Yeah. You don't have the clearance. And so, so she's mad at him for that, but she's doing that same thing to Rhiannon and, you know, to Sawyer and to Riddick, she does, can't tell them what has happened because then she feels like she is endangering them. Right. But because they are her friends and, you know, they love her, it's a different type of love, but they also love her. I think that they would be willing to do whatever to help, like, save Navarre and save the world. So it really bothered me that, you know, she's like, I can't trust Zayden. I can't be with mm, someone who doesn't trust me. and. At the same time, she's like, well, I can't tell my friends anything, so I'm just going to, like, step away from them. And it was it was just very immature, I think, and I didn't like – I didn't like this, I don't know, self-imposed martyrdom thing that she had going on. It was like a self-isolation. Like, hip, you, yeah. you him, and he won't trust me, and I can't trust myself around them. And, and Rhiannon, also – Yeah. And Rhiannon knew what was up. She knew the entire time something was up. And she asked multiple times, what's up? Are you okay? Can I help you? I notice you're distant. I notice it's weird. Like you're hanging out with Imogen now? Yeah. What the heck, man? It was just very I, – I get that from a st- storytelling perspective, I guess there needed to be some type of tension. I think it would have been enough if Violet was like, you kept shit from me. And because you did, I almost died. Right. And you did not tell me that my brother was alive. To me, that's a big enough deal where, okay, my trust in you is broken. Not this whole plot of, well, you aren't telling me everything because it really puts me in danger. So I'm mad at you because you're taking away my choices. Right. And it's different to say to withhold your the brother you thought was dead for six years is alive versus information on the rebellion that would have hundreds more killed if you leaked this out because you just wanted yeah. to be in my innermost thoughts and feelings. Again, it's on a need to know basis, Violet. You don't need to know this right now, girl. It's classified. It's about pay grade. Just want to make it clear though, as annoying as this was, the rest of the book was still so good that I only deducted half a point for this. Yeah. I mean because- that was it was the hard to find gripe in a good book. Yeah. I mean, it like, wasn't that hard. It was pretty 
Yeah, it was kind of like in your face. But it was just because everything else that was going on was like good and entertaining, i.e. people are dying. But everything else was (laughs) just like action packed. It made Um, up for it. Yeah. And I really think that the television show pacing worked really, really well. Really well. Really liked it. And it kind of breaks it up into these digestible chunks as you're going through it so that you're able to remember what happens in this entire section. What happened here? What happened there? And it made it easier for you to follow the plot along because there were no lulls to bridge the gaps between action points. Yeah. This was – I don't want to like belabor the point, but this was a really enjoyable reading experience because as someone who right now cannot be spending 24 hours reading because I have a job, it's – we're in retail, it's the holidays, you know? Yep. It's nice. I When I'm reading, I'm always like, okay, I want to get to like a certain point where I need something to happen and then I can like finally go to sleep. So it was nice that consistently something was happening that I could read a few chapters at a time, feel fulfilled, you know, go to sleep and then come back to it the next day. Right. And then I almost, I did almost feel like that kind of backfired because you'd get there and like, well, what happened after that? Like I just had to keep knowing more. And to get it back to, to Zayden and Violet, who also had a quest to know more about each other, they – I mean, we know that they have really strong chemistry. She talked about it a million times. She's like, even though I have trust issues, like, hot damn, that man is beautiful and he's like, so hot and he's I so I still want to fuck him. Oh, yeah. She absolutely did. I mean, we hello, book one. Her lightning burned all of his furniture in her room, his room. But it was really their own stubborn wills about trust that kind of – gotten between them and admitting their true feelings well i mean zayden zayden knew his true feelings and he knew violet had her true feelings and he also knew she was being stubborn about it wouldn't admit it it really bothered me that she wouldn't tell him and i know that i'm like jumping ahead of your notes she wouldn't tell him i love you refused she's like withholding that but when they're in their torture session their practice torture session and they all have to reveal a secret she's like i'm in love with zayden riorson and everybody else is like, uh, yeah, that's not a secret. We already like, knew old that. Old news, bro. What else you got? And she's and like, it was just, this is not shocking to anyone else? It was It was kind of It was kind of annoying. Despite, <laughs> just despite Violet, I really liked this book. <laughs> so as a reminder, he's sort of as punishment for what happened during War Games and Colonel Atos. Is that how you were saying it? I was saying I was saying Etos. Etos. It's, I mean, it's probably Atos. I say Etos because... Atos. I think I was saying Atos. Uh, so as last punishment, maybe in Kirtle, Atos, before he shipped off for his hooligans during... Or his shenanigans during war games, Zayden is stationed far away. And Violet is stuck at the war college. And they have to f- take turns basically every other week flying back and forth to each other to fulfill the mating bonds that the dragons have. Also, they're not mad about seeing each other despite their trust issues slash love game and so the first time that violet flies out to go meet him she's shocked to see him in a fighting ring earning his time off and shocked isn't like a hot damn he looks good fighting and also like a what is going on here i don't approve of this why is he fighting she gets a bit huffy about it um but we also meet another writer that was giving you some questioning feels yeah so violet gets to the outpost I can't remember the name. I think it starts with an S. I I just called it Outpost. Samara, I think it was called. I think so. I remember thinking of The Ring. I think that was the name of the girl from The Ring. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) So 
So she gets to the outpost and she's like looking for all the riders and she ends up going, I don't know, into like some training gym and she realizes that realizes that they're fighting and they're fighting over because they're in such a faraway place and it's basically the front lines. There's only one leave ticket per rider group and somebody can get it. Somebody has it assigned to them, but then somebody else can challenge them for the ticket. So that's what Zayden was doing. He was challenging his opponent because his opponent had the, I don't know, the weekend to pass or whatever. And they're watching him, you know, obviously winning the fight, kind of brutal. But this rider comes up to Violet and she's basically like, oh, you're Violet. And she has like this weird conversation with her. And it was kind of like, is this going somewhere? Are we going to see this person again? I wasn't really sure why we had that interaction. Yeah. But it made my my spidey senses go off. You know, it's funny. I forgot about her after that part. But I remember during reading that part, I was like, oh, are you going to come back around? Are you the secret friend now who's actually an enemy later? I wasn't quite sure why she was being so friendly. You know, always suspicious of the people that cozy up to you to be super friendly. Exactly. And like they know who you are, but you have no idea who they are. Right. So I don't know if she pops up later considering – I think she did give us her name. I'm not sure. I don't know. Considering I forgot about her until you mentioned her earlier, I was like, oh, yeah, forget about her. So there's a fair amount of back and forth flying where they really don't get too much time and it's done on purpose as punishment for them. So they decide during this back and forth that, you know, they never really got to know each other. And Zayden starts writing her letters to sort of explain her life and keep the conversation going, keeping that spark alive, why they're gone so far apart. Because one of her biggest issues we've talked about was trust. And she didn't really know anything about his life prior, anything real about him prior to them meeting at Basgath. So they have these little love letters back and forth to each other. It's kind of cute. You're wondering, is it being censored? What's the amount of information? Like he's obviously not spilling any secrets in there but more about like his background his family his mom his dad where he grew up and and getting into a little little bit more about him that was another thing where it's like is this gonna come back in another way or just being sweet maybe it's just us trying to pre-plan ahead to see the plot uh we don't know but further along in their relationship and this is where i'm just kind of strictly sticking on zayden and violet here um During a battle brief later down the road, after a few back and forth visits to each other, during a battle brief, Professor Devera talks about a battle that was at Samara, right at their outpost, and sort of signals signals to Violet that Zayden was injured. And without any hesitation, she jumps up, runs out to Tarn, and flies right off, directly ignoring any standards or protocols or the fact that she didn't have any permission to leave. And flies off to go find him. It was a huge deal because this was a trip that was not sanctioned. So she was away without leave. And we may not remember because we didn't read the writer's code of conduct or whatever. Right. But apparently writers that are away without leave can be, uh, you know, just casually killed as so many writers just are because Basgaff. Yeah. So much to our relief and hers, Tarn... Taryn is freaking out about it. He is – because obviously he's too far away to feel Sejal. Again, that's what I call her. I think it's Sejal. Um, he's too far away to, to feel her. So they he's immediately ready the second she comes storming off the college campus and they fly right off immediately. I think it's like an eight or nine hour flight. So this is not a quick 
quick jaunt just to be like, hey, you, you good, bestie? How's it going over there? This is a, a long haul trip to go find him. Much to his relief and our relief, our well, I'm sure he's relieved as well, but much to everyone's relief, he's okay. And he had some slight injuries that were easily healed or in the process of being mended. And finally, I think the relief of seeing him alive, knowing that he was under attack, they finally act on their feelings. And we get a steamy, not just because it was in the shower, sex scene that whew, paid off. This, it was, it was a good scene. I remember one of the comments from book one was that we didn't feel we felt that something was lacking mm-hmm. during their actual sexy time like the tension top notch but them actually you know doing it was kind of like meh ho-hum it was not ho-hum in this book oh, it actually no. got better i'd say she took the notes and expanded upon them it was very good and i think uh we all had emotional blue, blue balls up into that point as well so very excited to see them finally get it on who doesn't like a wet shower scene <laughs> I mean, there's some of our favorites, and we look at books past. Yeah. Now, naturally, she has to fly back because she's like, okay, glad you're alive. Smoochy, smoochy, kissy, kissy. I got to get my ass back to school because everyone's going to be pissed. And they are. Varish is so pissed. He's threatening all kinds of misconduct and, like, terrible punishments for her. Um, It's finally not until another professor steps in with another – you know, they're quoting writer's codes back and forth to each other. Like, according to section 4.2, you should have asked her permission. And she's like, well, according to section 5.7, I don't need permission. What are my dragons? Like, you know, all of that. They're back and forth. So finally, Professor Kiori steps in and really saves Violet from some excruciating punishment that we know Varish has planned for her and has been itching to give to her. And we'll get into that in the next section. But just wanted to set the stage for what's happening with between Violet and Zayden. Uh, as she's in, you know, going through her second year's Basgath. Because when I tell you, so much shit is happening in between their flights and visits, so much shit is happening. This is the biggest chunk of my notes. Any other thoughts, Hilly? Oh, you muted. I like unmuted myself and then muted myself. I have nothing else to add except that I was really relieved when Corey, Kaori, mm-hmm. Professor K stepped in and was basically like you're abusing your power to be yes and checked him because i was just like how is how is this happening to violet how are they letting this guy just walk all over her and treat her specifically like well, shit? why did uh, how did umbridge umbridge you know she yeah, targeted just, harry potter it's very power it's, left unchecked it's very it's very frustrating when that happens and i should add at the start of every chapter when you read these books there's little excerpts from books Writer Quadrant uh, articles, The Book of Brennan, all of these little snippets, a sentence or two, unpublished redacted reports, all of that jazz. And we get a couple of them that speak to Varish's unconventional torture ways of interrogation that have led to several detainees' deaths. So we're getting all of those juxtapositioned between him hating her and us just really getting to know him as like a super bad guy. And so every time they meet, you just know it's going to escalate to a really bad point because we ultimately know what was sort of written about him and divulged as we went throughout the book. It's a little interlude there. Yeah. It's really interesting. And again, kind of talked about this last time. Varish, that's the guy. That's the guy you want on your side. You know, know. King, Tori, General Panchak. Not a winner. Not General Melgrant. Like that's, that's the guy. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens We'll see what happens. So that's what's happening with Violet and Zayden. 
what's happening at Basgiath. And I will say, what the fuck is not happening at Basgiath? Because it's a, a lot of a lot of things. Can we just agree that we're going to call it Bagshmurth? Bagshmurth. <laughs> <laughs> I really do love that pronunciation. I'll try to throw it in there just to keep you on your toes and everybody else who will probably be like, wait, what'd she just say? Where, where are we again? It's like Bagshmurth. <laughs> um, so again, a hell of a lot of things are happening during the same time. So let's talk about the training. We know graduation just happened. Sloan in the sparring ring, as they all first years have to go do and fight each other, where death is openly allowed for some inexplicable reason. Sloan is really getting her ass kicked. Now, remember, Sloan is Liam's little sister. Um, and she reluctantly agrees to train with Imogen. But that's really only after Violet uses a sneaky incentive AKA she had stolen Liam's letters from his dorm before they burned all of his possessions per their traditions and customs. Um, so she is like the the donkey with the carrot dangling that in front of, of Sloan to say, if you train with Imogen to stay alive, I will give you one letter every time you have a training session. And this allows her to uphold her honor to Liam or uphold her promise to Liam that she would look after his sister. But since Sloane really hates her guts, right. have to be involved with her because Sloane wants to kill her. Right. Which, you know, understandable, I suppose. So that's what's happening with Sloane. She's finally getting some training and not getting her ass kicked. And Violet can feel a little less guilty about Liam's death. It's the training ring time. And you know who else wants to make things into sticky situations? Oh, it'd be Dane. So he says, I challenge you, Violet, to a fight in the mat. And everyone, I picture it like a scene where he issues the edict, I'm taking you to the mat. And like, it's silence. Like everyone drops what they're doing and turns to look at them. And they're like, <gasps> because everyone knows there's a little bit of a history. Everyone knows that she chose Zayden over Dane and he's feeling some type of way about it. Now, we as the reader know that we believe Dane sold her out to her, his father and that's what ultimately led to mm-hmm. them fighting the Vanine in the war games. Um, but he challenges her on the mat as an attempt to talk to her because she is just straight up avoiding him. She wants nothing to do to him. She with to do with him. She's enraged of what she believes has happened, and he uses this time to try to convince her that he had no idea what happened. And yes, very importantly, she blames him for Liam and Soleil's death. A hundred percent. Which and- she tells him that right so it's a little bit cathartic for her to get express those feelings to him and channel her rage that she's been holding on to so much for him and dane to his credit really takes that criticism on he's just like you have to believe me i had no idea and so we start to wonder like did he actually have no idea like he was kind of saying that he only kind of understood what he saw, and that's what he told his father. He hadn't seen everything. He had no idea that what was happening was happening. And he came across as very genuine. And he was very much like, you're, you know, you've been my best friend forever. You know, I would never do anything to endanger you, you know, even though I'm a snotty rule follower. So, I liked the scene because I thought it was very realistic because when somebody hurts you that badly and you do get a chance to talk, Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily forgive the person. Like, I heard you. Right. I accept it. But that doesn't mean that it makes it better. Spot on. As always, Hilda. 
with a great intellectual deep feels to explain these processes. You keep me around for reasons. <laughs> it's that. It's that. Right. So this was very, very good for her to see them having a conversation, but she still kind of walks away like, I'm keeping you in an arm's length. This is not being we're BFFs by any means, but I did hear what you said. In another, speaking of trainees, let's talk about Eric. Now, Eric is the king's son who's under a pseudonym. No one really knows he's there, but Violet does because she remembers him from her younger days when her mom was stationed near the king. And Violet re- and Dane know. Yeah, Dane knows as well, correct. And Eric reveals that he really knows what's going on in Pormiet. Promio? Pormio. Poromio? Poromio. You know, y'all, I'm really going to struggle with all these places. So if I just say like Zayden's home and War College, please know I'm yeah. just trying to spare you from the actual pronunciations that I'm forced to. Yeah. Eric, Eric by the way, is spelled A-A-R-I-C. Yeah. Uh, so we're just going to go with Eric on Eric. that one. That I don't right. feel in my gut that that we're wrong. It's not like <laughs> A-A-Ron. That's what I was thinking. A-Eric. A-Ron. You're right. So Eric reveals that he really knows what's actually going on, meaning he knows the Vanina are an actual threat. And he says, that's why I'm here. I'm here to learn to be a writer so that I can help my country because I don't fuck believe- Fuck my dad. Right. Fuck my dad, number one. But number two, like we cannot leave these people defenseless. So spoken like a true- person of royalty and Violet agrees to keep his secret. So that's what's happening with our new first year trainees on the training mat and then with Dane. Now, this entire time during the training, Violet and, and Taryn are secretly running weapons to Zayden at his outpost when it's their turn to fly out. He has told her that the weapons can be used to extend and power the wards, which they so desperately need by his homeland or by his hometown. Hometown? Homeworld? Homeland? Province, home province. Again, I'm struggling with the places we talked about it earlier. It's Atreya? Arisha. Arisha. That's what Alexa would say. Arisha. Okay. So Zayden's home. Yes. So Zayden is from Terrandor and they had the Tirish Rebellion. Then I guess Arisha and Navarre. So I think the I think the 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 way the story goes. Is that 600 years ago, all of these different territories united under the kingdom of Navarre. Mm-hmm. And there was like a great battle. And that's how they had, you know, whatever, the rivalry with the Griffins. Because I guess the Griffins right. were on one side. And then the dragons and Navarre are on the other side. The part of the history that I guess was cut out was the part about the Venan and the Wyvern. Right. So it made it seem it was like all just the Griffins, whatever. Each of these countries or these different territories that decided to unite under the Kingdom of Navarre have, like, their own distinct customs mm-hmm. and whatever and languages that they spoke. So all of that stuff, unless it was translated or unless, you know, someone that reads that language, you can't necessarily get the original records. Access to the original records, you only have access to translations. So then... During the rebellion, we thought it was just like, oh, the people of Terrandor, the province of Terrandor are just like, we don't want to be a part of your country anymore. Like, we want it to be a civil war. We want to secede. But we come to find out that they knew about the Venan and the Wyvern, and they were wanting to tell people about that. But again, because Navarre doesn't, they think it's better to keep their people ignorant of the real threat and like only save their people and to hell with everybody else on the continent. 
And I guess not to cause like mass panic, they want to keep that story censored. Right. So I, I think that's how the history goes. Because you know what they say, history is written by the victors. So you kind of don't really know what happened. How did you guys say, you know what they say, history repeats itself. And I'm like, yeah, we are seeing that happen as well. That too. Yeah. So Arisha. Arisha. I was like, Atreyu. That's <laughs> what I was going to say. Their wards are still unprotected. And that's why they need these weapons so badly. This leads to some really, and I mean really close calls between Varish as he searches her each time she leaves. Now, he is just itching. Like, she has chapped his ass. He's itching to just punish her for something. So she's a subject of searches every single time she leaves. And they go through her bag. They jump it all out on the ground. They shove it back in. But what they don't do it's is check. hard. Yep. <laughs> They're not checking him. And I love his sassy interlude where she's like, are we carrying weapons? Like, we sure are. Jump on. Time to go. And she's like, okay. And so I think we find out later it was Bodhi, who's still at Bad's Yath, running the weapons to Tarn, who's taking them to Zayden, and that that's how this whole ring is happening. Again, keeping Violet out of the loop on that, which she sort of feels a little spicy about. So let's talk about Varish for a moment. He is pushing Violet to meet Ardana and is and she's kind of able to dodge his requests slash demands for some dry with some dragon posturing. The dragons, they don't answer to humans, so she can't force her, which yeah. is and, mostly true. And because is Bodhi a squad leader? I don't know. Bodhi is able to arrange that their squad wing, whatever, isn't doing flight maneuvers on the field for a bunch of reasons. So if like they're not on that flight field, there's no reason for Andarna to be out there. Hence Varish doesn't can't use that as an opportunity to meet her. And Varish very thinly veiled in his request where he's like, I just want to know what she's like. It's so unusual for someone to to bond with two dragons. We have to meet this little featherling that you joined with. And Violet is very protective of the fact that Ardana is in the dreamless sleep and very concerned that by exposing her to Varish could open the door for more questions because obviously when she last left she was this little gold little dragon that was so cute and adorable and now she's grown almost three times her size she's changed her color and that is highly unusual in a dragon to move so quickly to adolescence and so it really opens the door to all these questions that she doesn't want answered because why did this happen oh she had to use her powers to slow time so i can fight the venom why were you there with the vent? Yeah. It opens this whole well, line of question she's not trying to get into with him. And they don't even know that the feather tails can manifest power. So that whole thing that Undarna can do, she can only do it when she's a dragon baby. So that would probably make these power-hungry hungry humans have more access to the dragon babies, which is messed up. Absolutely, because you know they would not use it for good. You know that they would expose it for some some reason. Also, we didn't talk about it how do you feel about undarna in this book in the beginning i was just like ah she's a moody teenager she's going through it i didn't hate her i love i kind of liked her little sassy interludes here and there but towards the end i was very impressed by her she i i love it when she sasses tarn i do too which she does a couple of times there is a couple of times where i'm like oh teenagers right but she she is clutch at the end and i mean i feel like if i tried to touch her she would eat me but like i would want to hug her <laughs> absolutely absolutely even like violet goes to pet her and she like growls at her and she's like what the heck man and turns like teenagers what are you gonna do yeah uh and so i just 
and this is why another reason why I want to break this up into three sections is because I really want to touch on what happens with her specifically at the end of this book and really have a good discussion on it. So we'll get to her in her due time. But for now, we just got to focus on Violet protecting her from Varish, who, again, desperately wants to see her and expose her. So Varish is becoming increasingly aggravated, and he finally snaps. After disobeying him again by his request from a commanding officer to see her dragon, he punishes, and I I forgot what rule they cite, but again, they're throwing rules around left and right. Uh, He forces her to use her lightning power signet until she nearly burns out and dies, which is an extreme abuse of power for someone who is supposed to be a leader in training soldiers. Like you don't want to push them to the point of like they are literally going to die. So Violet still can't really control her lightning aim, the aim or, of her lightning. And how many strikes she produces at a time, it can takes a considerable amount of power. Yeah. Before this, she had done maybe 10 an hour and he was forcing her to do like 30, 40. Right. So the girl is exhausted and he's just like, well, just one more. Just because one, he knows just what it's doing more. to her. He knows that it's like literally cooking her from the inside. Her skin is burning. Her skin is blistering. It Tarn, I think the second she's free from him, grabs her in his clutches and like drags her through a cool lake to just force her body temperature down because he knows how critical it is, like the danger zone that she's in from doing this. Yeah. He's such a sadistic asshole. Right. So really, fuck that guy because he did this on purpose. Also, not only does he do this on purpose, but he tries to pull this shit a second time. She's called out for some infraction, uh, I think refusing to produce Indarna again. Um, but Varish is stopped by Taryn, who almost kills his dragon, Solus. Now, these two have major dragon beef because we learned earlier, Taryn took out his eyeball, Solus has only got one eye, and I believe at this point, Taryn was about to, like, snap his neck. He had the other dragon's neck in his mouth and was like, try this shit again. I will straight up murder your dragon, which will kill you, and I'm not going to be sad about it. Yeah, and they can't do anything to me about it. Right. Everyone knows you're an asshole and it's going to be fine. Like, fuck the Imperium and the dragon kind. I'll deal with her later. I just want to kill your ass. So that's how Violet is saved from doing this again. Yeah. And I think at this point is when Tarn tells us that Solus, again, which is Varish's dragon, is like unhinged. And Tarn does not approve of him having writers or just being a part of dragon kind. Right. So we've got crazy Varish who's power hungry and unhinged paired with a power hungry I don't know if it's power hungry, but definitely unhinged dragon. It makes for a lethal combo, the two of them. Now, uh, this entire time while this is happening, we have the very secretive RSC training happening with our writers. So as a reminder, this is the second year's super fun journey that they get to go on where they are tortured, kidnapped, all sorts of crazy things happen to them in an attempt to harden them should these situations arise behind enemy lines and they're able to withstand torture basically so rsc continues violet rihanna sawyer and riddick are all sort of paired together because they're in their own wing and each time they are taken kidnapped but really by professors one's like hey what you doing in the hallway and like a bag is thrown over their head and like that's the last thing they remember so you know good times just walk in the halls of basgiath getting bagged and dragged off but each time they're taken they're doused with a bond suppressant which in my notes originally i wrote order suppressant so okay zodiac academy coming <laughs> coming in uh, coming in strong yeah a bond suppressant which means they can't access their dragons or channel their power so 
dragons and riders have this mind speak connection happening at all times, basically. So the fact that they cannot talk to them feels like a limb is being cut off for them. Like they are freaking out. This is highly classified stuff. They've never heard about it. They don't understand how this has happened. So the first time they're paired with, it's kind of comical, but they're paired with infantry. It's interesting to see that different quadrant in the the war college. Mm-hmm. There are little dynamics that they have. They have a map. They keep getting lost. Someone gets burned by a dragon on their way, which was actually Jack Crazy, Jack Barlow's dragon, who is still pissed that Violet killed him. So things, you know, we didn't escape unharmed from this. Our group does, but the entire group doesn't. And they fail because they weren't able to correctly identify or put their two pieces of the map together and work as a team between the riders and the infantry. So and realize kind of funny. Yeah, that they were given different pieces of the map. Or no, that they were given different maps. But if they would have been able to communicate, they would have been able to figure that out. And it's really funny because infantry is actually prepared to do this land navigation mission that they're on. And the riders are just kind of like, we are dragons. We're badasses. Yeah. And like, we're basically just here to make sure in case you run into any of them, you don't get burned. Yeah. Like, we're not prepared for anything. Really, really not. (laughs) Which is, it's kind of funny. Now, the second time they get kidnapped, things escalate a bit. And this is where we full on get the torture scene. Um, They all get kidnapped. And before their question, they sort of come to you. They know they've been doused with the order slash bond suppressant the bond suppressant <laughs> I keep calling it that um and they vow that they're all going to stick together no matter what so talk about trauma bonding they're in for it dane comes in varish of course is behind all this and dane comes in with his mind reading but he refuses to read violet's mind which is an admirable thing coming from dane considering what we thought the last time we met him that he did this all the time so he refuses he's sort of horrified to see them all tied up a little bit but he knows this is RSC. He sort of believes Commander Varish is is doing this right thing. Um, Varish then proceeds to beat Violet up for this. She is the chosen victim in this torture group, and really no one else suffers as much as she did in this. Oh, now, I'd forgotten about that. Right. Where So the point of beating Violet is that she's the weak one in the group, so she'll either turn – and spill her teammates' secrets, her squad mates' secrets. Which is the purpose or, of this exercise. Or because they all know that she's the weakest, they feel really bad for her. So they'll break and can't handle seeing her tortured. So they'll exactly. spill. So it's a it's a it's a mind fuck. Absolutely. But none of the team breaks. What ends up happening is Nolan, the healer, who has healed Violet, I would say, his entire life. We meet him in the first book. He's like, I'm used to breaking your arms when you fell off this and you did that. And so he kind of has this like old-timey, grandfathery, looking out for her vibe is what I got from that. Um, He ends up coming to heal Violet after Varish's beatings. You know, not doing it from like a good reason. He's doing it so they can continue to break her because, again, their team's objective is to escape, not only withstand torture, but also get out. And... Violet tells him in secret that she has vital information that can't be shared. Like, I really I really have to get out of here. She feels like he's a confidence she can trust him because she's known him his entire life. And he leaves the door unlocked. So this ultimately lets allows them to escape. Yeah, because they all have different signets. Rhiannon can move objects through walls. Right. I forgot what Riddick and Sawyer can do. One of them, I think, can turn water into ice. Yes. And I don't know what the other one can do. I think that's Sawyer with the ice. They're able to use their signets to escape. And so it's super impressive that they're actually able to escape because 
that's kind of the goal of the mission. But it's, no one's really done it? Yeah. So we're going to leave the fact that Nolan gave them a little leg up. We're going to leave that out. But let's talk about Nolan. So he's the healer who heals the entire college and oversees uh, any trainings that happen there for other healers. Now, he's been suspiciously busy. So injuries are piling up. People are walking around in slings, which is kind of unheard of previously. And he's looking more drained and scraggly than ever. So everyone clocks this immediately and they're like, "Something, something's up with him. What's going yeah, on has, with him? There's like a two-week waiting list to have him mend your bones or whatever. And it's like ridiculous. Right. Like, what is this? I could have waited an hour before. Now I got to wait two weeks in pain. So that's, you know, to quote Cardi B, that's weird. That's, that's suspicious. suspicious. <laughs> Speaking of suspicious, everyone who fought the venom is becoming the subject of an odd incident or just straight up murdered because – Basgath, but Nadine, a background character with purple hair, gets her neck snapped after jokingly pretending to be Violet. Like, just stepped in out of the blue, and someone's like, are you Violet? She's like, yeah, can't you tell by my hair? Snap. And everyone's like, what the fuck? So, you know, things are looking weird, and we have to call back to Colonel Atos's final threat when he left, saying secrets make for poor leverage they die with the people who keep them and we start to start to see this pattern that everyone's starting to be assassinated so another person whose name i'm forgetting asks for a banned book in the library and it has an an accident while quite being questioned about this book and is never seen again and we hear his name called into the death roll later on now it's worth noting that jacinna who jacinia jacinia i'm like i knew that's not right also, I just noticed my autocorrect fixed it to Jessica earlier, so I'm just messing up. Left the right. autocorrect in this notes, I appreciate, but in these rare instances, we kind of know what we're saying. So yeah, stop like leave correcting. me alone. I'm trying to spell Bazgath <laughs> on purpose here. I'm not trying right. to be a bathroom. Um, <laughs> so she is rattled because she realizes, well, this person asked me for this this book, and I logged the request because that's what I did to follow the protocol. And so she's realizing that something is is amiss. And we'll get into how she's been helping Violet on a separate mission a little bit later. But just know, all of these characters that were with them starting to die off. Now, you want to talk about more weird and more suspicious? Because this is a plot twist I did not see coming. It's a normal day at battle briefing. Everyone's settling down. And who strolls into that class? Who? Strolls into that class, Jack fucking Barlow shows up in class one day. Jack, the dead man, the one that Violet brought an entire mountain down on. Just alive and well, strolls into class. He's like, hey, hi, nice to see you. I'm back. Yeah. And I think was Varish there and was basically like, your classmate is back. Right. And I feel like not a lot of people ask questions about that. I, it was, I, do you feel like this was explained well? No, not at all. Okay. He just was like, he's back. And everyone's like, wonderful. A testament to Nolan's healing abilities. So you're sort of thinking, well, maybe he didn't die. He was just like horrifically injured in a mountain falling on top of him. Like, how could one survive that? But clearly they must have because this man is back and like better than ever. Yeah, it, it was it was strange. But this is supposed to be the reason why. Nolan has been walking around all haggard and used up and it's because he's been using all of his signet to bring Jack back. Yeah, bring that fucker back. Like that's the person we want back. We don't want to concentrate our efforts on Liam 
but we'll we'll yeah. pick Jack Barlow. It's like this is this is the this is what we want to spend our resources on, right? And our time. I got a yeah. two week period waiting period to fix a broken arm, but let's let's bring back this guy. So the main question we all have to to this day is why Jack? Do we get this answered? No, but we're gonna we're gonna keep going with that because even more weird. Jack is suddenly nice, which you know has all your spidey senses tingling. You're like, I'm sorry. You don't go from my sworn mortal enemy to dead and then alive and happy to be back? It's not tracking. The math ain't math and Jack. And he saves Violet at one point. Right. Saves her. She is the victim of one of those assassination attempts from Colonel Atos and – She's about to literally fall from her death. She's trying to mind speak to and He's like, I can't get there in time. Hold on. She's like, I can't. My fingers are slipping. Jack reaches an arm down at the last minute, grabs her and pulls her up to safety. And she's like, uh, thanks. But uh, why? Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, you don't just get to, you know, meeting death was like a second chance for me. And then he just like jaunts away like another happy little day. And she's just like, what the hell? I will say I didn't really understand that scene even to this day but we'll get there when we talk and what's obviously going to be part three <laughs> correct so that's that's what's happening in the, in the old baths yeah now what's also happening is violet is convinced that the the reason violet is convinced that the knowledge to power the wards and get them back up again and make them stronger is hidden in the scribe library so she's enlisted her friend our trustworthy justinia to try and help her Get these ancient texts that would not be accessible for her. Now, there's a lot of lot at stake for Justinia in this as well. If she's caught taking out these texts, especially giving them to a writer, it's against so many rules and regulations. So she's really putting her neck on the line. But she ultimately comes to believe, and I think Violet brings her in a little bit on this early to be like, there's information there was holding from us, and I need your oldest, oldest, oldest books that are like held under lock and key to try and figure out piece together this information because something's not right and she can't quite put her finger on it. Yeah. So we learn that the way that the the wards were originally constructed. Yeah. Um, was the six original writers, or mm-hmm. at least that's what they know. So she's trying to access, you know, the diaries, the writings, whatever she can of any of these six, the first six, who were the first people that bonded with dragons and started this whole dragon writer thing that we have going on. Now, much to our relief at this point, Violet finally tells Rihanna, Sawyer, and Riddick everything, except she leaves out about her brother and... Which, fine. Yeah, absolutely fine. She leaves out some some plot points, but she's like, here's, here's what's really happening. Here's what I'm spending all this time in the library. Here's why I'm not hanging out with you guys, because I gotta get these words up. We're in for a whole shitstorm here and they are so great like she's so worried this is going to ruin their friendship because she's been hiding this deep terrible secret from them and not trusting them but they're so supportive of her and they you know really harken back to that squad trauma bonding bonding we're like if you don't make it we don't make it we're all going together and we're going to help you so they of course decide to help her and riddick just like casually mentions he's like oh yeah well the first six keep their journals that have that their other journals have that information on the wards. And she's like, what? Like, leave it to this dumb, dumb class clown to know this crucial information that I've been searching for for months. So where is this journal you're asking? Well, Justina 
the Ever Sleuth does some tracking this down, and we find out that they're in a vault in the archives. Not just any vault, of course. We find out that this is like a super booby trapped if you're caught there after the after dark, really. And we don't really know why, but your life will cease to exist is what they kept kept really that was the line we kept hearing. Yeah, like everybody, everybody has to leave the archives at the same time. Or there's some weird magic that will just kill you. I know. And I'm like, does does is all the oxygen sucked from the room to like preserve the books? I think it was something like that. Something like that. We're not clear. We just know you got to get the fuck out of there if you want to live to see tomorrow. So plot twist in the archives. Not only is it in the deepest vault, not only do you have to sneak in there, but you need someone of the royal bloodline to be able to get through all the wards. Because it's in the royal vault. Correct. But guess who happens to be in the wider writer quadrant, baby? It's Eric. It's your time to shine. Our secret prince has to join the Scooby gang. So they team up with Zayden, who is back over at Bagskia, Justinia, and the rest of the squad rope Eric into the mission to get into the vault. Now, Eric hates Zayden for killing his father a while back. Or killing, I'm sorry, his brother. His father's alive and well killing his brother a while back so there's a little tension between the two of them but they ultimately find the journals and escape just before they get locked into the vault now i just have to say the way that i sped read this section i was was intense it was intense it was such a great scene where you were like the stakes are high and the entire time i'm waiting for the shoe to drop like i'm just waiting for something bad to happen for someone to get stuck for someone to get left behind which almost happens it was it was a great Heist. It was gripping. It was gripping. Yeah. It was so good. It was so gripping. It was ha- like harkened back to like a great heist scene in like Indiana Jones where you're like, I got to swap out this idol and get the heck out of here. Ocean's Eleven type of heist to finagle their way out before the vault closes on them. It was good. It was so good. Satan takes one journal to try and go back to Brennan. He takes it. He's like, great. We got it. Everyone you know, scram, go back to your your hiding holes in your dorm rooms and pretend this never happened. Uh, Zayden flies off to bring the journal back to Violet. Or, I'm sorry, bring the journal back to Brennan. Violet keeps one to study. But on her way back, she runs into Nolan. And he's kind of like, hey, what you doing? How's it going? Here, have a, have a drink of lemonade. I was just helping myself to someone. Some right. of it. It's like, I know this is the lemonade that you really like. And she's like, your- why thinks I am parched, actually? Because I was just hauling ass out of the vault. But you don't need to know that. And after having it, she's like, this tastes kind of funny. And she's like, oh, shit. She realizes it's the same bond suppressant that was given to them during the torture scenes from their RSC trials. She's immediately cut off from Nolan. Or, I'm sorry, immediately cut off from Tarn. And Nolan discovers the journal and turns her in to Varish. To which I say, Nolan. He is is the new Dane. How – could you and how dare you? That is what I have to say to him. I I would I felt really betrayed and like barely know this guy. I felt so betrayed. So betrayed. I did not expect you bring back Jack Barlow and you pull this shit. Dude, you you don't even get a third strike. You're no. out. No, and the fact like I I could have gotten behind the thought where he was forced by Varish to help bring back Jack Barlow because he was blackmailing him, threatening his family. Like, I could have b- bought that. But this, and you know, this harkens back to the time we talked about earlier when Nolan came to he- to mentor during the training. And she's like, I have secret information, thinking she could trust him. And he's like, hold up, Bearish, I know our girl. This is, 
you need to hear yeah. this. And like we know it's from that encounter that sparks this encounter that ultimately leads to her capture. Oh, Nolan. So I didn't really think about you too much, but now I'm like, you're on the shit list. Very much so. Now let's get into this final section we want to talk about. Now this one, this is the section why – the other section, you know, I'm lovingly calling the Great Library Escape. I call this one the Torture with the Side of Redemption section of this book. So we said it earlier in the notes. This one is a torture scene that was tough. It rivals Throne of Glass. Yes. And it wasn't cute, but man, did it pull on the old heart. So Violet is kidnapped and tortured in a chamber by Varish and his assholes, asshole minions, for five days. She obviously cannot contact Tarn this entire time or anyone else. So cut off from the world. And Varish is using this as an opportunity to break her. Breaking her bones, her legs, her fingers, her arms. And in the excruciating pain, she hallucinates Liam, who stays with her throughout this entire process, reminding her to be strong, reminding her to resist, reminding her why she's here and why she has to protect everyone. And it was so heartbreaking. And okay, so was it a hallucination or was it Liam's spirit actually came? I would love to believe that it was his spirit coming to her. But it could be in a, it could be it could have been a hallucination because she was that close to death. It it was kind of one of those things that was unknown, but it was still a very powerful scene, right? And she was so guy. grateful to see him there. Like I think his presence, whether he was truly there or just in her mind, helped her withstand that because it was five days of torture. It was really bad, and her professors are like, "Why are you holding her?" Her mom. There's been a lot of increase in attacks so her mom wasn't on campus and so she didn't know what was going on so it was it was very dire right it was very dire no one knows she's there she's cut off from tarn she's cut off from zayden her crew everyone just thought they all went back to their rooms no one knows she was actually taken and varsh who knows dean's classified signet is mind reading because again we brought him in before brought him into mind read now to everyone's surprise he is absolutely horrified to see to see her there and the state that she's in and he reluctantly agrees to see violet's memories now she knows he's about to do this and she knows the information she has and she's still not trusting of him so she really makes a concerted effort to use whatever energy has left to channel into showing him what she needs him to see which is the betrayal what they thought exactly she shows him the truth the exactly the wyvern the revolution and immediately after doing this dane takes down varish in a stunning attempt so he mobilizes and tries to save violet so i think he stabs varish and like takes out his cronies yeah there was another interrogator there i forget her name but dane (laughs) yeah i i forget how this happens but dane kills her and then he stabs Varish. Like mortally stabs him. We're like, he's not getting up quick for yeah. Um And then he grabs Violet because at this point, everybody's being called up because there's some distraction or attack or something. And he goes to grab Violet. And then all of a sudden, Zayden walks in. <laughs> I know. And it was kind of funny where... He's like, I'm here to save the day. And he's like, oh, already saved. Awesome. Let's roll, gang. But also, I left a trail of bodies, so the coast is clear. Yeah, mostly clear. (laughs) Just step over them on your way out. Oops. Sorry, guys. 
And then when he sees Dade with Violet, he's like, I'm going to kill him. And Violet somehow manages to be like, no, no, he, he, he just saved me. Yeah, like this isn't how this looks. This is actually good. And what's – like this is just pure love, I assume, true love. They give Violet the option to kill Varish and end him herself. But really, ultimately, she's too weak to do it herself. So they do it together and end well, this man. So it's like that's how you know your relationship is. Kind of stand the test stand of time. The test of time. You just kill someone together. Right. When you're too weak to kill someone who's avenged, who's wronged you, I will help you. Like wedding vows. Has anything more romantic been written? I don't think so. So as they're making their escape up the chambers into the main halls, they run into General Sorengale. Now remember, we don't really know much about where she's standing on things. Does she? How much does she know? What does she know? Who does she trust? We saw those glimpses into what her true feelings were when Violet returned from the front and they thought she was dead. But we learned that, again, as Hilda mentioned, she wasn't aware of any of this happening. She'd been flown uh, off visiting for something else. And she says that she will do anything to protect her children. Yeah. Um, so what I really liked about this scene is that she shows up with a sword and mm-hmm. you're like, is she here to attack us? And then she's like, no, she was she was on her way to kill Varish herself. Like she was going to go free Violet. And then this shocks Violet because it almost goes against everything that her mother has ever stood for. And I think at that point, Violet confronts her about the Venon and the Wyvern. And she's basically like, I will do whatever I need to do to protect my children, including if that means lying to you. You know, right. because Violet's like, well, what about all the other people? She's like, I will do what I need to do to protect my children. Right. And that's kind of the party line that General Sorengale keeps repeating to herself and kind of what gets her through the day of withholding these lies. So it's a little bit of a touching moment where they sort of have this first, where it seems like the first real conversation they've had in years. Yeah. And we also learn that she had made a deal with Zayden to protect Violet in her first year. Now, this kind of goes one of two ways. Because first, Violet's like, well, you know, you didn't think I would make it on my own, kind of taken aback. But then also, are Zayden's feelings for me real? Because you forced, sort of forced this relationship to happen. And so she's really conflicted on how to feel about that. And she wants to know, like, what's the deal that Zayden had to take for this? Like, what did, what what was his part in Because she, so, I guess, right, because... General Sorengale was like, I called in a favor to spare your life. Right. So it was like, what did Zayden owe her? Right. Which I think we learn later, he owed her bringing, I think it's because like he allowed the mark, or she allowed the mark to begin to come to college and start training. Was that it? I think so. Because they, so uh, the children of the rebels got marked with the thingamabob. And so then he said, we want to have a chance to live because I guess they were going to get killed too. And so that's why he's got whipped and has the 109 marks on his back. Cause that stands, that represents all of the children of the mm-hmm. rebels that then he's responsible for. And then rather, yes. So rather than being put to death, they negotiated that then they're all forced to try to be writers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now there was a little bit of a throwaway line here because it comes back later where her 
mom, she's outraged at her mom. She's like, how could you have marked his back 109 times? And her mom starts to say, well, it's part of an old terrace and then gets cut off by something. So I believed maybe this is some part of an old terrace custom to when you make a deal. I don't know. But it made it seem like there was more, it was more customary rather than her just choosing to be. Just to whip him. Right. And extra brutal. Um, but this is something that Violet specifically calls out later on too is like a sticking point that she can't believe that her mom did this and also that Zayden willingly went along with these this brutality, which we'll get into later when we find out the true reasons. Um, she also knows that Violet has been smuggling weapons to Zayden's group and that it maybe wasn't as big of a secret as they thought it was. So obviously Bazgiath is in an uproar. Most of the leadership, so the professor and everyone, has flown off to deal with this crisis that we later learn was Zayden's attempt at a distraction when he couldn't feel Violet. He dumped war- wyvern carcasses all over the borderlands, which I just really love. <laughs> that. I loved this so much. And that he, he was very much, because he had told before this, he had told Violet, wherever you are, I will find you. And, you know, when he couldn't feel her, he didn't just abandon her. He was hatching his own mini, you know, mutiny slash rebellion to go save her. Now, the border towns this entire time are like, something's up. They're getting weird propaganda vibes. So this dumping is actually doing way more to unravel their story than he thinks it's just a distraction. Like, it's it's really serving two purposes here. And I love that that's the chaos he's like, hey, here's a bunch of dead mystical, mythical things you didn't think were alive. Now I'm going to go get my girl, which I just love. So the college is in an uproar. All the leadership has left. And it's time for Violet to announce the truth and say, this is what we're up against. This is what we fought at Resin. This is what all of our dragons can confirm. Because, you know, they all have the mind speak. The dragons talk to the dragons. And they all yeah. talk to their individual writers. And some... Some of the dragons have chosen to withhold the information from their writers, but others have decided to be honest with them. Right. And so – And Dane calls the formation. Yes. So Dane calls everyone together for them to get this information where they finally say, this is the truth. This is what we've been hiding against. Now, you can stay here and you can continue to fight or you can come with us to the true front to – Unite and save everyone, not just the people that lie within the end of our borders, but everyone from the border towns and where else. Because what the the Vanine are doing are horrific, and it's only a matter of time before they come for you. Yeah, because I guess on top of that, the political situation is that as the Vanine or Venon, I say Venon, you say Vanine. I know. I flip-flop back and forth. As they're taking over the towns, the people are starting to flee from Peromiel into Navarre. and Rather than letting them in, the Navarans are killing the Peromials. Like, right. they're killing the – yeah. So it's, it's, it's terrible. It's true. And this scene is so gripping in a, like, brave front – brave front. <laughs> brave heart, united front, that they're rallying the troops in this united revolution. And so I think they said, it's like, more than half the college ends up leaving with them. And all of Fourth Wing, their entire wing squadron, comes with them, which I think is just a true testament to everyone that's in that section. So you've got the first year Sloan, you've got the first year slash Prince Eric. It sounds funny now I say Prince Eric, but we know right? that's not his real name. There's no Ariel to go with I him. know. 
they all fly off to Rebellion HQ, which we all know is Zayden's former home. In Arisha. Correct. Also the province of Turandal. I'm not still not sure on the maps on these things. Again, this is why a map would be helpful in the airport. Oh, you know what? Every time I'd say Arisha, I think of Aritzia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I this is why I second guess myself. Oh, I mean, this is why I flip flop back and forth as I'm saying these pronunciations live during this recording. So that is where we're going to leave you in this story because we have two big things coming up. The whole part about the Viscount and the quest for the Luminary um, and the Griffin writers that they're able to grab with them to the cause. And then, of course, we have the Battle of Basgiath and what happens with that. So we are going to really devote a lot of our time in part three into what happens there because there is so much to unpack, some juicy tidbits, some shocking things, and some heartbreaking things. So we are going to save our shout outs for part three, but we'll catch you guys next time when we dive into part three of Iron Flame. Bye. 